Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We missed the playoffs by one win last year, and we used X amount of guys. Everybody in this room matters, and they'll matter to the bottom line. So, you know, as we move through the next few days of practice, that's how the coaches, the coaches' perspective on it is, uh, you know, we're going to go down to 23. We have 31, I think it is, in camp now. We're going to use probably 31 or more during the course of the season, and uh, they're going to help us uh, reach our goal. So everybody's extremely important when you put it in perspective or that perspective. New lineup for the Sabres tonight as they'll have game six of their preseason schedule in Columbus after a morning skate in Buffalo today. Welcome in, Ships in the Harbor edition of Sabres Live. How are you, Marty? I thought it was Battlefield. We're F5. I'm taking a shot. Let's see if it well, works, but no. I, I'm also next to a dog park and about to get accosted <laughs> by a squirrel. So this could go sideways <laughs> real quick, but uh, I, let's focus on the matter yeah. at hand. Yes. We were working on corrections on this show a lot. We make a lot of mistakes. and uh, uh, But I think we should start by maybe correcting Don Granado because I, he said we have 31 players in camp. And I said to you quickly, I said 32, Matt's a boys in camp. And then you said 33 with Jack Quinn. So, yeah, there's 31 guys right now, but they will use everybody this season. So let's just assume that there's 33. A final 33 is in play right now. How many did they use last year? Skaters, that is. Oh, I do not know the answer. The answer, I is, would, the answer is 29. I was going to say, I think it was high 20s, but um, yeah, that's a so good tonight, number. Uh, it's not bad. I mean, it's reasonably good health, and I think we noticed yeah. that throughout the course of the year. Obviously, the most talked about one was Matthias Samuelson. There was later on uh, lingering injuries to Tage Thompson. A lot of times, obviously, like most situations, you saw guys play through, but I think they were trending in the right direction, which has kind of been, you know, the hope and the goal all along from the sport science field and just how they are, you yes. know, preparing themselves uh, on an annual basis. And you can never, you know, you always have to account for the unfortunate bad luck, which comes with playing this game tonight. It's good fortune for a lot of guys who get another look here for the Sabres against the Jackets. And we have a lot of angles that we can pursue. But I think one of the newer ones is actually one of the more talked about players of camp and Zach Benson, but he's lining up tonight for his fifth preseason game, and he'll do so with Krebs and Rusin. Yeah, so that's, number one, a lot of hockey for Zach Benson, who's playing in his fifth out of six, right? And he already played some some action in the WHL before that, So, um, but he's ready. He's ready to earn a spot. So now what we've seen a lot in camp, was Benson along with Thompson and Skinner. And it could still be like that on October 12th when the New York Rangers are in town for the home opener and the Sabres starting the season. But as Don Granado talked about, they have to be ready to explore every opportunity. They have to be ready to explore every lineup combination because you don't know what that's going to be like in a week from now, let alone a month from now with injuries and everything. So Benson is going to skate with Peyton Krebs and Lucas Rusek on what... I mean, is a middle line, right? Because we do have middle stat and Tucker up top. We have Dylan Cousins and Paterka. That line is there. But now Krebs with Benson and Rusek is something completely different. And for me, what it tells me is, okay, Zach Benson, you've had a great camp so far. Everybody's talking about you. You've looked good on the power play. You've looked good with Thompson and Skinner. 
Let's see how much ownership can you take. Let's see how much drive can you take into a line that is a Peyton Krebs situation that would probably play a fourth line role this year. Uh, and a Lucas Rusex who's trying to earn himself maybe a first call up, a second call up, maybe some NHL time this year as well after he got a little taste last season. So to me, that's a test for Benson. Drive a line. Let's see if you can own that ice time and let's see what you can do with it. Kind of a test for all three, isn't it? Yes, it is. But I'm just focusing on Benson. It's a, tough, yeah. a, t- a test for Krabs, who's in a battle it right really now. Is. When you look at the, the center of the ice with Thompson, Cousins, Middlestat, Krebs, and Tyson Jost, there's five right there. Who's going to be in the top four? And Krebs is battling right now, so he's given an opportunity to play with, with a couple of other guys. Well, and Yuri Kulik has played predominantly center in the AHL, yeah. more so wing in the NHL, but we've certainly seen him in the middle here during this camp. Brandon Byro fits that uh, profile as well as someone who can play either position. And while Byro isn't in the lineup tonight, nor is Kulik or Roseanne or Thompson or Skinner yep. um, and, and Brett Murray, Brett Murray, th- th- you know, the, I think there's still a lot to play for here um, from a Krebs standpoint of can he take a step forward where it becomes uh, a logical thing within game to play him in more offensive situations, right? Can he earn that as the next big step? And with Tyson Jost, I, I mean, yes, it took a while to get his deal done to bring him back. But given how many looks they've been giving the kids, which they have been adamant they're not going to block any of the kids, I I, I can't sit here with 100% confidence and say that some of these kids aren't like right there with Jost and angling for a spot on this team. So uh, the funny thing with Tyson Jost is that, you know, there was, uh, he was an RFA and, you know, didn't get qualified, signed on July 1st. Like there was a lot of different things there. He comes back and I think the Sabres really wanted him back, but you're right. Like the role now is different for Tyson Jones and the role may be different for Peyton Krebs at some point if Krebs doesn't take ownership of it because Krebs all of a sudden is like, Hey, I came in the Jack Eichel trade and I've been given an opportunity, but now it's two years. Right. It's, it's last season and this, this year. And it's like, okay, Peyton Krebs, how can you give your job security, your team that aspect that you are a mainstay now? Because if not, we see it so often. And I've been part of those teams where there's always a good young player that is right there and given a few opportunities. But all of a sudden, those opportunities, they start to, to to go down in numbers and they're given up to the next wave of guys just like you got mm-hmm. those opportunities the next wave will get theirs and i think this is big for Peyton Krebs you're absolutely right and and i like Peyton Krebs and i think he's a really good player like James Patrick said the NHL would put, will put you in your spot well you know what this is an opportunity for Peyton Krebs to say i'm not labeled as a fort line center just yet like maybe that's the trending direction for Peyton Krebs, but it's not there yet. I can still play a role, uh, bring some offense and maybe elevate my game into a top nine role. Yeah, I agree. And when, how do you evaluate the opportunity then for Rusek since we've now spent the bulk of the time talking about his two line mates tonight in Krebs and Benson? So with Rusek, for me, these type of players is who's getting the first call up. And I understand that that's 
maybe not what they want to hear at this time of year, but I was to say like, keep, keep in mind a month ago, as we were constantly uh, assessing and or projecting who might take Quinn's place. Yeah. A lot of people were quietly betting on Rusek. Yeah. So th- that's again, why I put a lot of emphasis on what this line looks like tonight. Well, you know what? If we had a gambling site right now, Duffer, and we were handicapping who those players are, I wouldn't have Rusek up there anymore. Like, I mean, maybe he was in the top two or three. Kulik was in there, obviously. Uh, you know, Roseanne, the way he looked in prospect uh, challenge was, was, was there, but, uh, Rusek from what he did last season and, and what he did in Rochester, the ability that he can, he possessed to play a bit of a different game. It's a little thicker guy can play a little bit more physical if he wants to. Um, I, I think I've got him a little down the list right now. So he's given an opportunity. Who do you have in the spot then? Because I don't sit here and have anybody cemented next to Cousins yet. I think that's Victor Olofsson's spot. I think okay. that's what it is. It's JJ Paterko with Victor Olofsson. I can see the lines right now developing very, very quickly into your 12 is set. And there's a 13th forward right now, which would be Tyson Jost. And then after that, it's a bit of a question mark. Um, yeah. I think Brendan Byro has earned himself probably the number one spot on that list right now. If I was handicapping the Rochester guys that are fighting for a first call up, Byro's one. You probably have Kulik too, just because of the past experience and what he brings. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's Roseanne R- Rusek. Murray's not played himself out of it at all. I think Murray's had really a strong camp, but is it more of a, Hey, there's a fit for him if we need to call him up, but we would try somebody else before. I think that's possibly what he's playing himself into right now. Well, one thing to always consider, um, and we see waiver wire um, possibilities every day right now around the league as yep. teams cut down to get closer, is that Byro and Murray are two that will have to face that reality if they don't stick with the big club. And, you know, obviously there are defensemen as well that are going to fall into that category also. We've already seen guys like Davies and Ciccone go down and clear waivers at this point. So uh, fascinating for me. I know we try... We, we talk a lot about these preseason games. Um, and then, you know, they end up being, guess what? Just preseason games. And then yes. sometimes they don't give us an awful lot of, uh, uh, you know, substance to digest the next day. But I, I think going into it, every player recognizes the position they're in. And so if you move off of that forward line combination that we talk about with Krebs and Benson and Rusak, the logical quick hit for us to uh, revisit was a talking point yesterday. And that was, where does Alex Tuck play? And, you know, give us your summary, Marty, of what we, what we found by way of interaction with our audience uh, at Sabres Live on X. You're of the belief that most felt he should just stick with Thompson and Skinner. Most were saying, you know, Skinner and Thompson would talk. Don't mess with something that isn't broken. That really worked last year. Why going away from it? But again, as we heard Don say before the show is they were a win away from the playoffs, but 
They have right. to find a way to not just be in the playoffs by one win. You, you want to be in the playoffs by five, six, seven wins. Like, get to 105 points. Like, don't just limp in at 96 points and say, whoo, we're going to do what Florida did last year. How can you put your lines together? So a lot more people were saying Skinner, Thompson, Tuck. Now, we definitely need, like, here, Kevin, Tucky needs to stay with Skinner and Tomer. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of people said, does that mean it's over? Does that mean Thompson, Skinner, and Tuck is over? And then here, uh, Matt in Cleveland says, it's not over. You'll see it again. But it has to to do with lineup flexibility right now. And the Sabres want to find the best flexibility in the lineup. I, I think the second option. So number one answer was Skinner, Thompson, Tuck. Number two answer was J.J. Paterka, Dylan Cousins, Alex Tuck. Because Zach Benson has played himself into a being the, the darling of everybody. And, oh, Thompson, Skinner, Benson. And then you may have Paterka, Cousins, Tuck. That was the number two answer that we got on X yesterday. People replying, why not Tuck on the on uh, wing with uh, Paterka and Cousins? So that was number two. And then there was the, oh, interesting with middle stat. Yeah, it worked well at the end of the season. So that was more of a a kind of a passing uh response. So it wasn't a popular response, but I say to people, um there's a reason why Don Granado is the head coach and Kevin Adams is the GM and those yeah. two especially they dwell on that stuff not just in training camp through the summer. Think of Tage Thompson moving to center. That was set in motion in the summertime, right? Maybe that was also set in motion in the summertime. Hey, Tucky, you may play with Mitzi this year. Mitzi, you may play with Tucky this year. Let's think about that. So how many points are they going to combine for tonight? Those That line, Greenway, Middlestat, and Tuck? Mm-hmm. I say six. Five, five or six <laughs> together, yeah, right? Like right. you, you, yeah. you could see middle stat talk, have a goal and assist, Greenway chip in with an assist. There's five points for the, that line. Okay. So we'll, we'll look for that and we'll also look to the back line, which has unfortunately no Eric Johnson, but it does have a, can I use a question mark here? New question look mark? top pair, Rasmus Dallin, Connor Clifton. Uh, is this a decoy? Is it Don Granado trying to play mind games already in training camp and sending out his deep pairing with Dallin and Clifton as your top pair instead of Matias Samuelson? No, I don't think it's a cliff. It's a decoy. I think that's exactly what Don Granado and his coaching staff want to do this year. They want to roll out Dallin and Clifton. They want to roll out power in Yokiaru, and they want to roll out Matthias Samuelson with Eric Johnson. Now, Eric Johnson is not going to play tonight. There's a little lingering issues. EJ wanted to play. Don Granado said, just like Alex Stock earlier in camp, take the night off, no rush. So Ryan Johnson's going to play another preseason game. But I do believe that we would have had our top six the way that it's going to start on October 12th if Eric Johnson had been in the lineup playing alongside Matias Samuelson tonight. But yeah, you're right. Dallin and Clifton, new look pairing, new look top pairing. They've been together in practices throughout the whole camp. And I really believe that's how Don Granado wants to start against the Rangers on October 12th. Well, Dallin has been exceptionally excited to talk about the pairing and yes. has loved everything that he has seen from Connor. Um I don't recall you envisioning this at all when nope. Buffalo signed Clifton to a three-year deal. I saw Clifton play with power. 
I didn't say Clifton play with Dalene. I said Dalene Samuelson power Clifton. I thought top four. And now after that, who's fighting for the last two spots? You know, yeah. Eric Johnson, Henry Yokiaru, Jacob Bryson, Riley Stillman. Like you, you, you can have anybody right there fighting for the top two spots. And I think that changes things. But again, just like we talked yesterday about having a heavy set of line of, of wingers on a line with Greenway and talk alongside with Middlestat, having a heavy presence on the ice. I think Don Granado wants a heavy presence on the back end with Samuelson and Johnson, uh, EJ, that is Eric Johnson, but mm-hmm. allowing for maybe more offense out of Dallin and Connor Clifton. I think Clifton has more of an upside offensively. Not that I think I know he has more of an upside offensively than Matthias Samuelson do- does. And, you know, that's fine. Like, it doesn't mean Matthias Samuelson doesn't have a role, but now you're opening it up, right? You're going to play your Thompson line with Dallin and Clifton, and you're going to say, we're spending a minute and a half in the offensive zone. And people can't contain that line. Why? Because I think Connor Clifton can add more offense to that deep pairing, uh, you know, when you compare that to Matthias Samuelson last season. Does Clifton bring more offense than Ilya Labushkin? Uh, well, so I think Labushkin last year was third in goals with the Sabres. Uh, third, from in Quebec. Se- defense, third in defense. Points. Third in defense from the blue line. Yes. So I think Connor Clifton will still be third. I think we're going to have Dallin and we're going to have power as first and second. So he's not going to be higher than Labushkin on the blue line with the Sabres, but it will be with a bigger number. Let's just put right. it that way. I, I really believe so. What did Connor Clifton add last year? I'm going to pull it up really quick. 23 points. 23 points. I think we can see him get to 30 uh, with Rasmus Dallin on the ice with him. Yeah. I- I, I would think that's that's very 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 doable. Um, I think there's a lot of um, potential for the entirety of the group to produce more. I think we've been talking about that in 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 camp. I know, not to dig too deep into you know um, the Stillmans of the world and the Davies of the world contributing, um, but I think with the way Henry's playing, um, I, I could I could see. Well, I mean. Honestly, I always go back to like Will Borgen scored more than 20 points last year with Seattle. Like, yes, there's no did. reason, there's no reason for every single defenseman in this group not to have 25 points minimum. Wow. Right. I, I mean, there's no reasons. I get it. There's only one puck and that puck has to be shared and they only give up two assists. So a lot of time they get, you know, third, fourth touches. And that's what it mm-hmm. goes. But your top three guys at the bare minimum, should be over 35 points. Should have a 35, a 55, and a 75. That should be like the way your top three guys are going to be. Yeah. Well, I think, again, I think that's very, very, very doable based on how we're seeing the group play right now in the preseason. What we're also seeing tonight, if we're talking about first-time combinations, uh, I don't believe we've seen Samuelson with Johnson yet, have we? With Ryan Johnson, no, I don't think we've seen those two together, and that's not a pair that that worked together at all during training right, camp. That's right, that's what I mean. It was yeah, Matthias Samuelson was with Eric Johnson all training camp, and all of a sudden Ryan Johnson comes in. Um, you know what? That's another test. And as Don Granado said, we're going to need thirty skaters. We're going twenty nine skaters last year. We're going to need everybody um, to to be able to to slot in different places. When Matthias Samuelson played last year. He played with Rasmus Dallin. That was as simple as that. And maybe a shift here and there. He wasn't with Dallin because then they'd load up Dallin and power together. But could there be more Uh-oh. out of Matthias Samuelson, more flexibility out of his game? Let's see how that works out with 
with Ryan Johnson today. I, I'm not stopping anymore for this little interruption. I'm just going to keep going right through it. It's like, you know what? Stop with the stop sign. I, no, it's I'm, four in the morning the and there's nobody one, on the road. I'm, the one I'm going. That struggles with your pregnant pauses. That's, that's I know, that's, seriously. That's my reality. Uh, okay. So all And then the speed up version after that. Like, yeah. We call that normal. Um, with with all of this happening uh, in the penultimate preseason game for the Sabres tonight against the Jackets, seven o'clock on WGR and live stream on Sabres.com. Um, it's all going to happen in front of Ukupekalukinen, and we've been seeing the goaltenders get their full game. So, what's your expectation based on everything we've seen from the goalies so far, and what you know of Lukinen and his situation? And oh, by the way. Our good friend, Sabres correspondent, Jordan LaBarber, reminded me today that um, Don was asked about his comfort level going into the season with three goalies. Oh, I know. And he said he would be very comfortable given none of the three have a lot of NHL games and are working well together and will improve. Yeah. Don, you used to play goalie before. You understand that three is not very... um, easy to deal with. Maybe it's easier for the coaches. And maybe, listen, I also come from a time where practices were totally different than what they are now. They're very much broken down into small area games. Guys are in and out. The the goals are not one goal at the one end in the crease and one goal at the other end in the crease. They move around. They go to the blue line. They go to the corners. They play half ice. There's always these changes. So you can adjust to three goaltenders a little bit easier. But I do hate three goaltenders for practice. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Now, when it comes to Okopeko Lukanen, you know what is, Duffer, this is really tough. Being the third guy, look, you see Levi, you see Comrie play well in two periods, the first game. You see Levi play well in two periods, the second game. And then you get the third game. And uh, it was okay with Lukanen. He did, he did fine. It wasn't spectacular. He did fine. And then you come back and you see Comrie do well in a losing effort in Pittsburgh, and you see Levi do well after giving up three goals and shutting it down. So now yeah. it's even more pressure on Lucan and I think to play well. So I don't know if he's taking it that way, but from the outside, that's definitely what it feels like. True or false? People would not have spoken glowingly about Lucan and allowing three and getting the win Saturday against Columbus. Um. Oh, so I will say false, and the only reason I'm going to say false is that. If Lukanen had played the full game against Toronto and only given up three, not three in two periods, but played the full game and shut the door in the third period and given up three, I think everybody would have said, good recovery. It started a little rough, but man, he really stepped up, made some big saves and whatever, just like Levi did in the game. If Levi only plays the first two periods against Columbus, gives up three and 40 minutes and he doesn't get to finish the job, I think we talk about it differently, but now it's that time of preseason where you play a full game and that last 20 is as important as the, as the first 20. So I think that missing that 20 minutes in Hockeyville when they played uh, against the Leafs um, maybe got a little bit more of a negative feel to Lukanen because there's three goals in, in 40 minutes instead of in a full game. But I well, get I your sense. Right. Your sense is that the, yeah. the perception is always like, well, uh, Lukanen, everybody drops their arms and Levi, everybody like, you know, puts them above their heads. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong and or I hope the narrative changes. Um, and 
I, I say that because I'm hopeful that Lukanen will just keep improving. And obviously the stretches that were on display last year are the stretches that produce the most points over a smaller number of games, you know, like and Lukanen had a couple of those runs. Comrie had one. Obviously Levi had one at the end of the year. Like they're all capable of it. And uh, Marty, I can't escape the question. Like, Oh, I think I'm, I, is it just me? That's not hearing Duffer right now or yeah, we're not hearing you Duffer. So I don't know if it's uh if there's something going on with your microphone or if it's the Spalding Lake Wi-Fi where you are right now that, uh, that is getting that done. But just uh, quickly, because I know we're talking Lukanen, but there's a, uh, uh, I want to make sure I get that in because Big Willie on, on X right now says, this is way too much overthinking. The, this should be the forward lineup to start the season. And obviously Tuck is playing with Tage and Skinner in that, uh, in that, uh, in his lineup. And Benson's actually with Cousins and Paterka. So Benson is filling in for that Quinn situation. So I don't know. I don't know if it's too much overthinking. I think it's preseason. I like it. Um, but we lost you a little bit duffer there. So I don't know if it was just the audio. So I think what we should do is take a quick pause here. Make sure that the audio is back okay. I think I'm sending all the bad Spalding Lake Wi-Fi your way. So hopefully we can get that figured out. And when we come back... Um, we'll talk goalies a little bit more around the league, other situation. Preseason is going on and we don't even know that they're playing games in Orlando. Duffer, we got to figure that out. So anyway, we'll be right back here on Sabres Live on WGR 550 and MSG. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Okay, so we've taken care of the squirrel that was chewing the hardwire to the show, and I can remind you that we have the home opener a week from tomorrow. It is the Sabres and the Rangers. It's presented by the BFLO store, so we want you to join us on Thursday, October 12th. Sabres, Rangers, 7 p.m., and of course, as is customary for the home opener, pregame party in the plaza, 4 p.m., players arriving on the blue and gold carpet coming into the game, and it has been... You know, an incredibly difficult offseason for everyone that has ever loved the Sabres with the loss of our beloved Rick Jenneret. But along with the City of Buffalo Common Council, we will be revealing the trailblazing street sign dedicated to RJ and more details on that at Sabres.com to come. And of course, for tickets, you can get them at Sabres.com slash tickets. This is going to be quite a night, um, and it falls into that category of you know, um, just the mindset, Marty, of all in at all times for this group. There, there, there can be no nights, especially within conference play, uh, to be taken lightly. And, and I just look at this matchup as I, you know, do a wider scope view of so many teams that I think could be separated by one, two, three points in the conference when it's all said and done. And I think the Rangers and Sabres will be very close when this year is all said and done. Do you agree? I, I definitely agree. I think the Rangers have a good team, but I think that there's a bit of a changing of the guard that's happening in the Eastern uh, Conference uh, the last couple of years. And it started with New Jersey last year and, and the Carolina Hurricanes really like gaining more and more traction when it comes to you know, the experts predicting or projecting what's going to happen. It was always the Islanders and the Rangers and Pittsburgh and Washington. And then all of a sudden it changes. And the same thing's happening in the Atlantic division. But the Rangers still have a good team. And it's funny to say this, 
that game one of the regular season could have as much of, of an effect when it comes to the end of the year and game 82 because, it number one, it sets the tone. But number two, the Rangers and the Sabres, I think, are in that same ballpark. 96 to 104 points like it's it's that's the goal right i mean 115 would be great but i'm just saying the same ballpark when i put those teams together you know they're different teams they're very different teams you know the rangers have shesterkin in that that is stability they have jonathan quick multiple time cup winner and Mm -hmm. he's there just to back up they they have no question marks in that they don't have a lot of question marks on defense, maybe depth a little bit, but I think they filled that up. And up front, their only question marks is when it comes to Alexi Lafreniere, Capocaco, where they play, what's going on. But they have all the pieces, but I think yeah. the Sabres pieces are a notch more. Like Dallying Power is a notch more. Like Fox is great and Trubo is great and Keandre Miller is great, but I think Dallying Power would be a notch more. I think Thompson Tuck could be a notch more than Panarin and Zibanejad, right? Like they could be. Were they two years ago? No, but can they be this year? Yes. So that's to me where those two teams are very, very similar. Tonight at Sabres Jackets and Friday, we will have full broadcast on MSG, including pre-game coverage. It is the Sabres and Penguins at KeyBank Center to close out Buffalo's seven-game preseason run. Tonight, if you're just joining us here on Sabres Live, 7 o'clock game, and you can see it on Sabres.com here at yeah. on WGR and look for Zach Benson playing on a line that does not include Thompson and Skinner. In fact, Benson will be on a line with Krebs and Rusak. And among the rest of the looks that we're getting up front, expected anyway, Middlestat between uh, Greenway and Tuck, Cousins between Paterka and Olofsson, and Jost between Gergensons and Opozo. And of course, we also mentioned last half hour the fact that Rasmus Dahlin's going to get another game, and he'll do so for the first time with newcomer Connor Clifton. Unfortunately, Eric Johnson is not yet ready to go on yeah. the blue line. He's got a minor aggravation, so there was no need to push him in at this point in time. Power and Yoki Haru, and of course, Samuelson and Ryan Johnson rounding out the group on the blue line. So all of that, as far as the defense are concerned, will be doing so in front of Uko Pakalukin and against a, a pretty solid looking Columbus roster, as you would expect at this time. Also did want to mention the Amherst preseason begins tomorrow. It's a 7.05 start at home at Blue Cross Arena against Syracuse. So obviously we'll be keeping close eyes on that as, uh, you know, their camp just began on Monday and they have a very short preseason, two-gamer, before getting set for their home opener a week from this Friday. Only two, eh? That's like, yeah. let's go. Like, that's the American League for you. Let's get going. You play more preseason games in juniors than you do in the AHL. Okay, so... How many years has uh, any variation of national networks tried to push rivalry night on us, Columbus and Buffalo? Uh, I'm oh not sure God. we're there yet, but I think... The, di- the I think... night you love to hate. Remember that promo, yeah, yeah, yeah. the night yeah, you yeah, love yeah. to hate. Yeah, I, I think I could be wrong, and maybe all apologies to the Battle of Alberta, but the best rivalry in hockey right now is Tampa, Florida, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the Battle of the Sunshine State is definitely the best rivalry. Um, Florida getting out all the way to the Senate Cup finals last year when Tampa and the three years before winning two out of three, like those two teams don't like each other. The fans don't like each other. I think Tampa has a little bit of a one up on the, the support from the fans that Florida has had over the last few years. But last season, it wasn't the same Florida Panthers like crowd. It wasn't, you know, 5,000, 8,000. It was like packed. They were fun. They got Matthew Kachuk. 
He said, I hate tempo right away. They even hate each other in preseason games now, which is a little bit what Toronto and Buffalo were for a lot of time when that rivalry was at its best. Tell us more because I don't know much about what happened in Orlando. Is Orlando like the new Red Deer? Like Red Deer, Alberta was right between Calgary and Edmonton. And you used to go into bars in Red Deer where they would have tape on the floor in the middle of the establishment. And if you were cheering for the Oilers, you're on one side of the bar. And if you're Flames, you're on the other. Is that is that what Orlando has become? This well, hockey mecca cheering for either of these Sunshine State rivals? First of all, do the Solar Bears still exist? I think they do, right? The Orlando Solar Bears, they were an ECHL team back in the yes. days. So I think they still exist. So um, maybe they're fighting for Solar Bears fans in Orlando. Um, I would assume would that more... No, 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 like because it wasn't promoted. I didn't even know until I saw some highlights last night that they played there. I would think most of them are Tampa fans. But so last night, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers played a game, a preseason game in Orlando, Florida. And the game was a 2 nothing win by the Lightning. Oh, funny enough, Jonas Johansson at the 25-save shutout. When we talk about Vasilevsky missing a, the better part of maybe two months with back While surgery. Off of a 42-save shutout yeah. in his last outing, which was right on the heels of Vasilevsky's injury slash surgery being announced. Now, I'm saying, go, this, I'm saying this to every enthusiast of the Jonas Johansson fan club right now. It is preseason. If he had been playing bad, most people would say it is preseason. He's playing great. It is preseason. Let's just leave it be. But the biggest thing in that game last night is that there was 160 penalty minutes in the game. It was insane how there was scrums. There was, you know, I, I don't want to say, but there's so Matthew Kachuk slashing penalty. Uh, Austin Watson. All he did was take 10 minute misconducts. Remember that, right? Okay, so in the first period yesterday, what you got was Dmitry Kulikov slashing, Austin Watson slashing, Matthew Kachuk slashing with Austin Watson, Tanner Janot hooking, then you got Austin Watson misconduct, Ryan Lomberg misconduct, and the list goes on and on and on with tripping and fighting, Austin Watson, Casey Fitzgerald got in a fight, 160 penalty minutes in a preseason game, you should cancel the game. Like when it gets to that point, you should say everybody goes home because I'm sure the coaches and the GMs are cringing that somebody's going to get hurt, right? But the fans in Orlando, they had to love it. And the fans in Florida had to love it because it doesn't matter if it's preseason or not. When there's 160 minutes of penalties, that means there's power plays. That means there should be goals, which there wasn't. But there's excitement in the building. And there was uh, definitely a it was a rivalry of a, a night you love to hate yesterday mm -hmm. in Orlando. Why is it in 2023 information is so hard to come by and or accumulate properly in NHL preseason play. God, so my example is look at any box score and in game, every player that has already scored like three or four or five times already in the preseason is given credit for their first of the preseason. Like how hard is this? Why, why? Like what? This is awful. This is not helping promote the players and the teams no. when you can't even accurately tell the stories of how good a preseason a player is having in the moment. It's frustrating. Can you sense my frustration? I can sense my frustration. <laughs> and you know what is another frustrating part of this is that game sheets and time on ice and whatever is not even available for probably 
a third of the preseason games, right? Because they play in different locations and they don't have that. So you got to go to the box scores and sometimes you even have to go to ESPN box scores and not NHL.com box scores because ESPN has a better box scores than, than ES, than NHL.com. But just for your pleasure, Matthew yes. Kachuk did have 12 penalty minutes last night. Perfect. Um, so there was two and a 10 and not six minus. Yeah. Sam Bennett at 12, Anton Lundell at 12, Isamont at 17, Ryan Lumberg at 12, um, Eric Cernak had 10 minutes of penalties. Um, so did Calvin DeHaan. So there was a lot of 10 minute misconducts that were being thrown around. Um, so just to get people off and in preseason, I would assume that Matthew Kachuk is like, yeah, get me off the ice. Like, I just want to go and maybe have some food in the locker room. You, you can't. You can't use that as a reason because this is exactly what the Panthers did in the Stanley Cup. Uh, Yeah. Well, you're right. It's so they are who they are. It doesn't matter whether it's the preseason or the playoffs. These guys don't get it. And I hope the officials keep doing it to them. Smarten up or you're going off for 10. I love it. So Matthew Kachuk did get his 10 minute misconduct with four minutes left in the game. So he's like, see ya. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out of here at 1618. Sh- so funny enough, how about like this? After his overtime goal? How about this? Uh, Valtteri Morella, Anton Lundell, Mike Riley, Magic Chuck Calvin Hahn, and Tyner Janot all got kicked out with four minutes left in the game. The refs had enough. They said, you guys are all going off all at once. Well, again, full credit to the two of them. They play intense. They're playing three in a row. I believe to close out the preseason, which is just absurd, but that is really good marketing, I think. So congrats to the NHL for, uh, for being able to put it together like that. But if uh, I ask you a trick question, I mean, we're not going to take a lot of time here, but who is the score? Every question is a trick question. It's a trick question. Who is the scoring leader in preseason right now in the NHL? (laughs) Well, I looked, so I would be cheating. Uh, oh, I think it's okay. uh, Jesper Bratt, isn't it? Jesper Bratt is. You would never get who the second player is. The second Yeah, he had four points against Buffalo and Kraft Hockeyville. Oh, no, he did not. Timmins. No. Timmins is at six points, seven points with Matt oh. Coronado of the Calgary oh, yeah. Flames. So you're, yeah. so, but, but. It's so funny because they put out these papers and these stats. Hey, let's look at the scoring leaders in preseason. How about you forget about the scoring leaders in preseason and you get us good highlights? Like we don't have have the highlights on NHL.com right now or the game sheets. Like that's what I want. I don't need to know that Matt Coronado and that, you know, Mackie Simonchevich with Florida is like in the scoring leaders. I don't need to know that. Well, I, I actually do need to know it, but I need to trust that it's accurate. And that's what I don't trust because to my knowledge, they still haven't changed Victor Olofsson's primary assist. I was going to say it hasn't been changed. Right? It yeah, has not it, been changed. It, right. Yeah. Okay. So enough of that. Uh, our good friend and fellow uh, colleague in the office, Paul Barker, wants to know whether I'm actually in a park right now doing the show. Yes, Paul, I am. And I'm in a park that is in the town of Marty's Cap right now so you can tell it's rather quiet here in toronto after yesterday's playoff opener against the twins you're by right by the lake is it lake ontario behind you well what other lake could it possibly well, i don't be? know if you're like uh, there may be a pond a little stream or something i can't tell very much but i would i would say you know the the, the canadian side or the u.s side kind of looks the same when there's a big lake right behind you so we wouldn't have known you were in canada we did the could have thought you were in buffalo somewhere i told you 
See, that's I the don't. trick around here. None of us listen to one another. So no, no, no. I knew you were in Canada, but I'm just saying, like, um, you know, you could cheat at, at first because you moved your okay. computer a few times. It really yeah. almost could have looked like you had a green screen behind you and you're just messing with people and changing the backgrounds like during the, the actual show. It is true. It did have a bit of an artificial look when I first turned it around and had the uh, had the trees behind me. But uh, yes, a lighting director on a lighting director on set asked that I uh, change the location. So <laughs> we've accommodated there. And because we're talking Blue Jays very briefly, because you're wearing a Jays cap. Yeah. Rasmus Dallin was wearing a Jays cap the other day when I saw him. Um, I only have one question. Write this and don't spare me with the revisionist history. Right decision or wrong decision for Bo Bichette to try and score early in the game, rounding third. Right decision. I think right decision, you, you, go, you go for it. The problem 100%. with the Jays wasn't that Bo Bichette tried to score when that ball trickled through the third baseman. What a play by the shortstop, by the way, to get him out at, at home. Uh, the the shortstop's name is Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa, absolutely. It's the bats went cold when the Jays needed hot bats. They went to ninth inning. They're down three one. Vladimir Guerrero starts with a double. He's on second. You can have a big inning right there. Boom, 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 boom. 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 Three outs yeah. and it's over. I yeah. felt like, and obviously Gosman had a tough start here. They're talking about how he may have been tipping his pitches because yeah. they lay off the split fingers like fastball so much compared yeah. to the regular season. I did pick up that commentary uh, that was interspersed between 9 million Yankee references from the two Yankee broadcasters yeah. who were doing the national game. So, yeah, we, we managed to stomach that. Um, but, yeah, the whole point of the Bo Bichette play is that I, I, think it, I think it speaks to all sports and aggression and attempting to win. When you look at wh where that ball was, and how slow oh. are you? Am I, am I breaking up on you again? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I just have another comment after. Yeah, no, it, it's just the percentage. Once the ball got past the third baseman, the distance that Correa had to travel and still make a perfect play, the odds are so stacked against that happening. And if you watch any championship team, they play it aggressively, I believe. And especially in baseball nowadays. And Did you not see I, Bryce yeah. Harper yesterday go through the stop sign? Of course. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. All right, welcome back. We're here on Sabres Live. It's Chris Brown and Steve Tasker. We had a power issue uh, with the guys on Sabres Live, so we're going to try to reconnect with them by phone to <laughs> allow them to finish the show. Are you guys finish. there, Brian and Marty? <laughs> Oh, we are. I think we are. <laughs> this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. This is what I get for dumping on the NHL for not having real-time stats oh. earlier. We can't even stay connected long enough to speak to one another. <laughs> uh, Maybe the Lake Ontario, the Maple Leafs found out you're over there and they don't want us to communicate. I think that's what's happening. But anyway, we were talking baseball. Maybe that's a sign we should never take talk baseball again on the hockey show. <laughs> Maybe that's why, but uh, no, anyway. So, um, well, lastly, Marty, put it back on the rails here. Put a bow on what your expectations are for tonight. It's the second to last preseason game. Lukanen's going to start. We'll see Clifton and Darlene. We'll see Krebs getting an opportunity between Rusek and Benson. What are you looking for here? Well, obviously, I want to see what Benson can do on a different line, right? Maybe it was uh, Thompson and Skinner that were helping him. Can you drive your line? I really want to see how Dallin and Connor Clifton are looking together. 
Um, you know, think about the game against Boston. Dalene had a slower start than he looked better, but Boston didn't have much. The, the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to have a much better lineup. So let's see how that works out with Dalene and Clifton together. But obviously, all the spotlight is going to be on Lucan. And there's this battle in that right now. Who's your opening night starter and how that all works out. So that's, those are the three bullet points I'm looking at on my screen right now. And will the middle stat line, in fact, be the highest scoring line for Buffalo tonight, based on your earlier projection? Well, I mean, there's going to be a real competition with Cousins, right? I think Paterka, Cousins, and Olofsson, they need to show something. All three of them have to have an impact at five-on-five. Because right now, I think we've got a couple of lines that we know they're going to start with and we can rely on. But that, that Cousins line needs to show something for me uh, in this game tonight. Okay, don't forget the game can be heard at 7 p.m. on WGR Sports Radio 550. And the live stream will be on Sabres.com with, uh, of course, Dan and Razor calling on the radio side. As you know, Brownie and Tasker are up next with One <laughs> Bills Live. See you tomorrow.